Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. I'll apologize in advance. I've been a little bit under the weather, so my voice is not great. Bobby Corser is going to be popping on frequently to uh, help me get through the show. In our next segment, it's the headlines of the week. In our third segment this week, you know, it's very, very rare for teams or for athletes to take a political stand in the world of sports. We saw that happen this week. We'll talk about that more in segment three. Then in segment four, B. Perez. She's the chief marketing officer for Coca-Cola North America, and she's the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon's Woman of the Year. She was honored in Portland this week. We had a chance to catch up with her. Oversees one of the iconic brands in North America. Some terrific conversation with her. That's coming up in segment four, Sports Sense. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me on Twitter. You can find those links on our blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. Bobby, uh, I'm not a huge horse racing fan, but I got to say the Kentucky Derby had my attention on Saturday. I didn't think I was going to watch, but I was sitting around and uh, I watched it and it was pretty interesting. And We'll tell you in headlines next about a man who didn't ride a horse, didn't own a horse, but may have made out financially better than anyone. And, you know, he should probably go buy a horse with the luck he's having because— <laughs> Or go to Vegas. Exactly, one of the two. But, no, you know what? It was funny. Going into the weekend, there wasn't a whole lot of real interest around the Derby. Yes, we knew that the favorite had scratched, and we knew the weather was going to be bad, so it was really a free-for-all. And I kind of think it evolved into that, and that whole kind of combination really drew people in because you didn't know what was going to happen. So, you know, we thought it could be a train wreck, and uh, you know what? Maybe train wreck TV isn't so bad when it comes to horse racing. Well, for horse racing, it had very good TV ratings. We'll share those numbers with you in our next segment. Uh, The New Orleans Hornets have a new owner. Who is it? We'll tell you about that. We've got headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the Kentucky Derby. Like we spoke in our opening segment, I wasn't too excited about it, but then I tuned in and uh, it was a little more compelling than I thought it would be. And Bobby, I think one of the things that I was compelled by is it was a muddy track and the favorites dropped out. So when the race went off, the favorite went off at 7-1, to one, which was the highest odds ever for Kentucky Derby favorite. So it was a free-for-all. What it led to is Super Saver won the Derby, and it was the highest TV ratings for the Derby since 1992. They got a 10.3 rating. Which is huge for them because, as we've talked about on this show, there are two sports that really, really need a revival on TV. One of them is hockey, and the other is horse racing. And if you're pulling a 10 share for the Derby, that is absolutely huge, and NBC must be absolutely ecstatic with that. The most memorable thing with the Derby for me from last Saturday was Glenn Fullerton of Texas. He was involved with the first ever $100,000 Derby Dream Bet sweepstakes. So essentially, Bobby, he was given $100,000 to bet on any of the horses to win. So he could only pick one horse. And even more amazing is he was selected out of a pool of 67,000 entrants. So just to be the guy who got the $100,000 worth of tickets to put down on a horse was astounding. He put it down on the right horse. He put it down on Super Saver. He walked away with $900,000. Terrific promotion. And, I mean, the guy was ecstatic. I thought NBC did a nice job of capturing that excitement and that storyline. And uh, I got to go to Vegas with that guy. Absolutely. And I love the story afterwards. You know, NBC goes interview. I was like, oh, my cell phone's blowing up. I got voicemails. I got text messages. Dude, you just walked away with almost a million dollars. I hope your friends are calling because, seriously, you know, guy's lucky. You're right. Let's go to Vegas or let's go buy a horse with the guy because the guy seems like he's money. Well, the other guy who's money is jockey Calvin Burrell, who has now won three of the last four Kentucky Derbies and, uh, you know, just adds to his legend by winning again on Saturday. Now, Darren Ravel from CNBC had some really interesting facts and figures. Go to DarrenRavel.com about the jockeys and what they take home. And basically, if you win the Kentucky Derby, the owner is taking home $1.425 million. The jockey gets 10% of that, $142,500. 25% of that goes to the jockey's agent, who's responsible for picking up and negotiating his ride. I don't even think Calvin Burrell needs an agent, because I would think there'd be a bidding war for him riding your horse in the Derby. So that brings it down to $106,875, and once you pay off the valet for setting up all your equipment and everything, it's about $101,000. That's before taxes. So when it's all said and done, Calvin Burrell is probably taking home anywhere from sixty dollars to $70,000. Now, if you don't win the Derby, your take is almost nil. So it shows, you know, these jockeys, some people may think they make a lot of money aboard these horses who win big prize money by winning one of the Triple Crown races, they really don't. No, they don't. And, you know, the funny thing is, as we found out this week, they have to pay to park their own cars. So not, not, Well, they used to. They, they don't anymore. Okay, so, but still, you know, you're having to pay to park your own car, which I find was absolutely hilarious. And the thing about this is it's guaranteed money. 
And I'm sure that every owner puts money down on his horse to win, so he's making a little extra. And if you're a good owner, you're going to tip your jockey extremely well, especially if you win. So, yes, he's walking away with 70000 guaranteed cash, but I'm sure there's some extra on the side being slipped in just for taking care of the horse and coming in first place. Well, and we saw Calvin Burrell win the Derby last year and then get on another horse. So, you know, I'm sure if the owner wants Calvin Burrell a top super saver for the next Triple Crown race, they better take good care of him, and his stock is increasing by the day. Our next headline, the New Orleans Hornets uh, are going to be making a formal announcement in the near future. The owner of the Hornets, longtime owner George Shin, who moved them from Charlotte, is battling cancer. It's no secret he's been looking to sell the team, and a gentleman named Gary Choest has been a 25% owner of the team since 2007 when the team moved to New Orleans, and he's now going to take over majority uh, ownership of the team. The team is looking for a new head coach, and there's been a lot of talk about Chris Paul. Will Chris Paul be traded because he makes a lot of money? But Choez came out this week and said he wants Chris Paul in New Orleans. So, you know, it's interesting. He's starting with somewhat of a clean slate here. He gets to bring in his own coach. The Hornets have a good front office, and I'm sure it'll be a smooth transition. Yeah, exactly. They don't have to go outside and look for a new owner. They don't have to worry about having to have the you know the League of Governors approve everything and all that stuff. And I really think it's a positive step forward for New Orleans basketball. The only problem is they got to put people in the seats. And as we know, since Katrina, New Orleans hasn't recovered fully economically, and it hurts basketball. It hurts football. So, you know, maybe... Maybe if Chris Paul stays around, maybe more people will be interested, but it's going to be interesting to see how the city of New Orleans responds to basketball. Our next headline, Fox's David Hill says that Fox is set to take a major run at landing the broadcast rights to the 2014 and 2016 Olympics. Now, we've reported, many others have reported that NBC lost a reported $200 million on the Vancouver Olympics earlier this year. But I guess that hasn't dampened Fox's enthusiasm. They've long wanted to get into the Olympic business. They were outbid by NBC last time around. But it sounds like, according to Fox Sports Chair and CEO David Hill this week, that Fox is going to be aggressive in bidding for the Olympics for 2014 and 2016. You know, and I applaud Fox for going after it. My only thought is, you know, Fox always has their own little way, and we say, you know, to Foxify everything. I'm kind of scared to see how they do the Olympics. I really like how CBS and now NBC has done it. It's more of a traditional coverage. You know, you don't have a whole lot of hype and promotion inside the broadcast. However, Fox does a lot of that, you know, promote their other shows and properties, and that's their right. They have extra money now because they no longer have the BCS. So if Fox wants to make a run for it, I say, hey, go for it. I'm just worried that they might kind of taint the Olympic coverage with the way that they do their broadcasts. Our next headline, the NFL is king of all sports in North America, and now the king of all beers. Anheuser-Busch is going to be the exclusive beer sponsor starting in 2011 under a six-year deal. They're going to be replacing Coors Light as the NFL's official sponsor in the beer category. And again, the rights begin in the 2011 season. Financial terms were not immediately disclosed, and this is according to the Wall Street Journal, but sources say that AB is paying twice what Coors paid. Bobby, again, it just shows you the power of the NFL. AB is all over sports, uh, and it's not a surprise to see them step up with reportedly twice as much money as what Coors Light was paying to be the exclusive beer sponsor of 
the NFL. Good for Anheuser-Busch. And listen, you know, beer and football is synonymous with each other. And, you know, as they say, Anheuser-Busch, Budweiser, it's the king of beers, and it truly is now. Coors had been the NFL beer league sponsor since 2002. Our next headline, it's not going to be the FedEx Orange Bowl anymore, Bobby. 21 years of partnership between FedEx and the Orange Bowl coming to an end. This is according to the Sports Business Journal this week. And I believe it's going to be the only BCS game without a a title sponsor. So it'll be interesting to see who steps in, if anyone, in a tough economy to replace FedEx for the Orange Bowl. Yeah, you're truly replacing an iconic sponsor with FedEx. Like you said, it's synonymous with the Orange Bowl. But hey, you know, now it's going to be the Orange Bowl game. Or it's just going to be, let's go live to the Orange Bowl. So, you know, we could banter some names here that I think would step up. I think UPS would be a good replacement. I don't know if they have money. You know, and it make kind of sense. You go from one shipping company to another. You know, there's some other food ones. McDonald's or Yum Brands could step in somewhere like that. But Yum it, Brands, it, please no. It could be the Taco Bell Orange Bowl. Oh, man. Long John Silver's. What about the Fanta Orange Bowl? That would, you know, Coca-Cola, hey, you know, they have some money. And as we have coming up in segment four, the chief marketing, you know, director. So, hey, I I like the Fanta Orange Bowl. I think it would flow. But, hey, you know what? It's going to be interesting to see. And like you said, it will be the first major bowl without a full title sponsor. All right. Our last story of the week. We told you about Glenn Fullerton of Texas winning $900,000 on the Derby, Derby Dream Bet sweepstakes. Well, here's another story that is really uh, a terrific story of, I guess, luck and maybe a little bit skill. Wade, I'm probably pronouncing his name, McGilbury. He's the winner of the 2K Sports $1 million prize for pitching a perfect game in MLB 2K10, the video game maker said this week. So, Bobby, I guess what he did is he took the day off. He went home. He started playing the game and he had to reset it a few times because he had a perfect game until the fifth and then he had a perfect game until the sixth but all in all it took him 90 minutes to pitch a perfect game and get that one million dollars and the way that MLB 2k10 knows that it's authentic is you have to go in through a certain system you have to register and then you have to I guess videotape yourself playing the game and you know, there's several hoops you go through, so you're not just calling them on the phone going, hey, I pitched a perfect game. They can literally go in and see the stats and, and look at the perfect game that you pitched. This guy won a million dollars. That's kind of a cool story. That is a cool story. Not a bad payday. You know, you go home, crack open a cold one, say sit down, play some video games. Hey, you know, let me let me try for a perfect game. You end up getting a perfect game. You get a million dollar check. Not a bad day sitting at home just playing video games. Now, here's the interesting part of the story. Take-Two, which is the parent company of 2K Sports, they didn't take out any insurance. So that $1 million is coming out of their pocket. And uh, they lost a reported $30 million recently. So that's going to be interesting. It's one of those things they're getting great PR on shows like ours right now. Everyone's talking about 2K Sports and MLB 2K10, and this gentleman who won the $1 million prize for a perfect game. But uh, you got to reach into your pocket to pay that $1 million. So we'll see if it turns out in the end for them. All right, coming up next, there's a story in sports this week 
we oftentimes see athletes or teams or leagues avoid talking politics, avoid taking a stand on anything. That wasn't the case this week, and we'll talk about that story coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. Well, it's very rare in sports and entertainment when an athlete or a celebrity takes a stand on a political issue, especially in sports. I mean, the joke has been with Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. They never want to say anything politically because they don't want to harm any of their endorsement deals. They don't want to alienate anyone. They don't want to offend a segment of their fan base. So better not to say anything at all. Well, this week... We saw the Phoenix Suns and their owner, Robert Sarver, take a stand against the controversial new immigration law in Arizona. And the team wore their Los Suns jerseys for Game 2 against San Antonio. And Steve Nash was on PTI on ESPN this week, and he talked about why the Suns are taking this stand, how it came about to wear the Los Suns uniforms, And we'll talk a little bit more after you hear this clip from Steve Nash. There is political news surrounding the Phoenix Suns. The owner, Robert Sarver, says that on Cinco de Mayo tomorrow night when you play, you'll be wearing the shirts that say Los Suns on them. And the owner is saying it's in part to make a statement against the new Arizona immigration laws. You are yourself from another country. You're from Canada. What do you think of this law? I'm against it. You know, I think that this is a... Uh, a bill that, you know, really damages our civil liberties. I think that it opens up, uh, you know, the potential for racial profiling, racism. Uh, I think that it's a bad precedence to set for our young people. I think it it represents our state poorly in the eyes of the nation and and the world. I think we have a lot of great attributes here, and I think that it's, uh, you know, something that we could do without, and I think it, it hopefully will change a lot in the coming weeks. Well, a lot of athletes try to steer clear of politics. You seem to be embracing it at at this point. Do you speak for the whole team, do you think, or just for yourself? Well, I can never speak for the whole team, but, you know, our owner asked us if any of us had a problem wearing the jerseys, and and nobody did. So, you know, I think we're pretty like-minded on this this issue. And, uh, you know, we this league is very multicultural. We have players from all over the world, myself, obviously, being a foreigner, and and many of my teammates, uh, players on the other teams, um, our communities are very multicultural. So I think you know we have to, 
you know, obviously find a different way to combat the issues that we face in our society, and I think that this is the wrong way to go about it. Steve Kerr, the Suns GM, said, and I quote, we know that we're in the news right now, we're in the limelight, so we didn't want to just sit back. Some people may think it's not our job to take a political stance, but we feel like because we're in the public eye and in the nation's eye, it's important to raise the issue and do what we can to further the discussion where we can, end quote. Bobby, we just have a few minutes, but, you know, again, the norm is for teams not to take a stand. I think, you know, A, lots of people talked about this issue this week. There are lots of people who could boycott the Suns, who could say, Robert Sarver, you have no business talking about politics. But I also think there's a lot of people that are going to embrace the Suns because they've taken a stand on this in a day and age where people don't take a stand on political issues. Now, you know, I didn't see Robert Sarver having a press conference or anyone having a press conference with political commentary. Their statement was through the low Suns jerseys. And I have no problem with it. Um, the other thing here, and this is one of the key points to make, is there are a lot of people talking about boycotting doing business in Arizona. Robert Sarver obviously owns the Phoenix Suns. He is a banker. He's a real estate person. If people aren't doing business in Phoenix, much like when they boycotted the state of Arizona when the state wouldn't accept Martin Luther King Day, it's bad for business. So there are business reasons for why he's doing this for the people out there who say, well, he's just letting his political uh, agenda get in the way of what he's doing in the sports world. You know, I don't have to agree or disagree with him either way, and personally I disagree with him. However, the way he went about it and handled it shows to me he's a class act. He got the team together. They voted on it. He has the backing of the NBA. You know what? Props to him for taking the proper channels to protest this the way he wanted to. Well, and all I will say again is, you know, you go back to the days of Muhammad Ali, who took a stand for something he believed in. He paid a steep price by missing a lot of the prime years of his career. The Suns and their owner took a stand on something they believed in this week, and I applaud them for it. Coming up next, we're going to talk to B. Perez. She's the chief marketing officer for Coke in North America. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. One-on-one -on -one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is B. Perez. She's the chief marketing officer of Coca-Cola North America. She's a 14-year veteran of the company. 
More importantly, she's Warsaw Center's Woman of the Year, honored this week here in Portland, Oregon, at the Warsaw Center Women in Sports Symposium. B, congratulations, and thanks for joining us here on Sports Business Radio. Thanks a lot, Brian. I appreciate it. I'm very excited to be you know, in Portland and a part of the Warsaw program. It's, it's quite an honor to be among the honorees that they've had in the past. Yes, you are joining an impressive list for sure. Um, let me talk to you about your rise through the ranks of Coca-Cola. I know you've done a lot of work with the motorsports marketing platforms for Coke, but maybe you can give our listeners a little background about how you got started at Coke and uh, where you are now. Sure. Well, and my, my little secret is I started before motorsports with Hispanic advertising, and so I worked for an agency called Sosa Bromley & Associates, which is now Bromley Communications, and I was working on Coca-Cola's Hispanic marketing efforts, which was not just advertising, it was also bringing the brands to life in the local communities with our customers and our bottling system. And through that, I was given tremendous opportunity. You know, when you work for Coke, I feel so fortunate. It's a company that pushes you and challenges you as an employee, and also at the same time gives you opportunities to learn and to move in an adventure career in places that you might not have necessarily thought you'd be going into. And so I went from the Hispanic advertising world into brand management, and from there that led into my career in sports and having quite an honor and opportunity to launch our official soft drink of NASCAR platform and the Coca-Cola Racing Family. And that is still one of our longest-standing sustaining programs we activate every single year, which you may have heard we've renewed for about another 10 years, and, and we have all of the racetracks. So we feel like we're in a good spot with the league, the teams, the drivers, the tracks. It's, it's really a great way to bring to life that platform. And so here I am. So I believe that those are the opportunities and the challenges and the pushes that led to the successes into my career today. So you've migrated to sports a little bit, obviously. Uh, women in sports, that's what we're talking about this week. There's a lot of uh, women out there who want to work in the sports industry. How do you get started? And, uh, you know, what's your advice to the women out there saying, I want to work in marketing and specifically in sports marketing? Well, you know, probably my advice could be both to women and men, and then I'll give you a twist at the end for, for the women. But what I'd say, be prepared to work hard. Be prepared to be open to learn and to listen. You have to know the consumer. You have to know the fans. You have to know what they love and how they're consuming sports. And so, you know, fans don't just consume sports by going out to a race or to a baseball game or a football game. They're also online. They're on their mobile devices. They are listening to it on the radio. As a matter of fact, I listen to most of the NASCAR races through radio because you get such a unique experience in a way that it's not always brought to life through just one medium. And um, so working hard and really paying attention to the business of sports, which is why I felt like the Warsaw Center is something that is so important because it teaches people and young people about the business of sports, not just sports. And for women, I'd say, you know what? There are plenty of women role models in sports today. You could look at Lisa Kennedy, who is in charge of NASCAR, Heidi Ubroth over at the NBA. You have Val Ackerman. You have Donna Lopiano. There are so many women in sports today in meaningful roles that have cleared a lot of pathways forward. And I would not be afraid to pick up the phone, talk to them, you know, do informational interviews, get advice, and at the same time, understand that it's a commitment. And so, you know, as a woman, you know, I'm a mother, I have two children, I have a wonderful husband. Don't be afraid to leverage your resources because there are going to be times when you need to be on the road on weekends, on evenings, because that's when sports take place. 
And so you have to find that balance and that support system at home to help you do the things that are important to you and to go into a career like this. Great advice. We're joined by B. Perez. She is the chief marketing officer of Coca-Cola North America. She's been with Coca-Cola for 14 years. Let's talk about Coca-Cola and your involvement with many different sports properties. We've already discussed your relationship with NASCAR, but you work with the NCAA, the NHL, the PGA, the USOC, the NBA, and then you've got relationships with several athletes as well. You even do things with uh, American Idol. In your opinion, what's the successful recipe for a good relationship in bringing a partnership to life? Because I see a lot of people, you know, we're out here in Portland and Nike's here, and I see they have lots of relationships with athletes, but sometimes they don't bring those athlete relationships to life. They don't activate them. What's the recipe for Coca-Cola? Sure. Well, for Coca-Cola, we're very analytical and we assess a lot. We, we always like to look at research, see what's working, what's not. But foundational elements in starting with a partnership is understand what's going to make the partnership successful. And so that means understanding the partner. What are their objectives? What do they need? Is it for them about driving viewership to watch the Final Four? Or is it about attendance at a NASCAR race? Is it about bringing to life the brand experience through social media with the Olympics and giving the stories behind the athletes? Is it like an American Idol where you let the fans participate and decide an outcome of the game like we did with the NBA with letting the fans select the fourth dunker for the NBA Sprite Slam Dunk Contest? And so we modeled that off of some of our learning from American Idol and brought that into the NBA. And we had a willing partner who wanted to do that because one of the objectives of the NBA is about being at the you know, leading edge of technology and bringing the best consumer experience for the fans to life and also driving viewership and driving interactions. So understanding the partners and what they're trying to do and understanding what the fans want and bringing them value, and that's how Coca-Cola or a brand like Coca-Cola can win. And so that's how we know which brands are the right brands to associate, which are the right elements to bring the life through the sport, and how do you sell more Coca-Cola by doing that? It's by giving the fans the value, and they reward you for it. We, we have found that with sports properties, entertainment properties, when you're where the fans want to be and when you're giving them true value, they're going to reward you. Yeah, i got to tell you, one of the more interesting, uh, I guess, case studies or just something that I've paid attention to in the last few years is vitamin water and the relationship with the NCAA, specifically at the NCAA tournament. I've gone to the NCAA tournament. I've obviously watched on TV, and I think you guys have done such a great job with bringing vitamin water to the top of mind because, frankly, you know, maybe a few years ago it wasn't as top of mind, but I think you've done a tremendous job with that relationship with the NCAA, getting it out there so uh, the brand is stronger. You know, we, we feel fortunate because that took a lot of great partnership discussions with folks like Greg Shaheen at the NCAA, with folks like John Bogus and Chris Simcoe through CBS, and having all the partners come together and say, yes, we think vitamin water makes sense. It's a great, it's a great brand to have on the sidelines. And for us, vitamin water is still a growing brand. It's a very successful brand. It's created its own category. I personally love Triple X. But what we also did was looked at a brand like Revive and said, you know, that's a natural space within this environment where you're looking to, you know, lift up the fan experience, give the athletes what they're looking for to hydrate and, you know, really create a unique relationship that can be brought to life through sampling at some of these events, 
through retail activation in a store where it's on display with Coke Zero, which is also a major partner within the NCAA environment. And it's been valuable for us on college campuses when we're able to take the brand there, and it's given us a legitimate presence and opportunity to you know, connect with that audience. My guest is B. Perez. She is the chief marketing officer of Coca-Cola North America. B, I wanted to ask you, and I've wanted to ask someone in, in your seat for a long time, is a general rule of thumb how much money a company should be spending to activate its sponsorship. People I've talked to, other executives have said, well, if you're going to spend X on a sponsorship, you should spend three times X to activate it and make sure everyone knows about it. Do you have a general rule of thumb with activating your sponsorships? Well, this is what I'll say. So, it, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the secret question, the golden question, that if we all can get right, we all will win. And it's something that people have studied for years. And so I don't want to say I have the answer and the silver bullet. What I would say is that what we know is that we have to have flexibility in how we spend our money. And it has to be going more of the money that we put into the properties to drive value for the fan and for the fan experience. And so when we look at activation, what we say is, you know, how much should we have in what we call working dollars versus non-working dollars? And so we want most of the money to be in the working dollars, so it's actually bringing the brands to life. It's creating value for the fan. It's going to programs at retail to drive sales of our products to get them on display. And if we can get that combination right and still meet the partner's objectives and our objectives, that's the winning formula for us. That might not be right for everybody, but it's how we have found success in bringing our brands to life in those environments when we have flexibility and when the partner allows us to be able to reshape the programs and assess them every year to make them better. As far as advertising, though, TV advertising, and correct me if I'm wrong, here we are based in Portland. I believe Widen & Kennedy is your ad agency. Um, they've done some terrific ads for you guys over the years. How powerful is TV with getting your word out there or with social media? Has that become a real powerful tool? We see people utilizing YouTube and Twitter and Facebook to get their brand out there, and I know Coca-Cola has done that a lot. Yes, I'm glad you bring up Wyden and Kennedy. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't be a, a full visit for me unless I were visiting with the folks at Wyden and Kennedy, and they're just they're geniuses there, and they understand brands, and they understand people, and the way that they bring the strategies to life and drive our business through the messages. It's just something that we are very fortunate to have a partner like that in our business and an agency like that who has the brilliance that they just maintain in their, you know, in their people and how they think about marketing. And so I'm glad you use them as an example because, the, you know, the thing that they've taught us and the thing that we've experienced in our business results is you need a good combination of both. So TV still works. As a matter of fact, we feel like we're in the best places with TV because if you think of sports programming, you're watching an event, and you might be watching history being made right then and there. So if you're watching someone like a LeBron James play in the playoffs, you know, you might watch history. So you want to watch it right then when it's airing for the first time and we know that the ratings are strong for these types of events. So big events around sports still make a lot of sense. And that is something that we have to have the right messaging and the right um, you know, brand proposition brought to life through that medium. At the same time, we also know that people are online. They're using their mobile devices, and they want to participate. So a program that we did with Super Bowl this past year is we said, wow, how do we get people – before Super Bowl, and then watching Super Bowl, and maybe again after. Well, let's bring to life an experience where we're also giving back to the community. So we did something that is unheard of and, and hasn't been done before, where 
we allowed 20 seconds of our TV commercial to be viewed online by fans. And what they could do is then once they watched it, they could share it with a friend and they could also donate points and money to the Boys and Girls Club, which we then matched. And so a lot of money was raised for the Boys and Girls Club. What it also did was it forced people to say, wow, I want to see the ending. So they either had to watch the Super Bowl to see the ending of the commercial, or they had to go back online and watch it the day after or after the Super Bowl aired. So it was a full experience where you're leveraging TV as well as digital communication online and mobile to bring to life the whole experience. I want to ask you about endorsement deals with athletes. We've seen high-profile athletes such as Tiger Woods and Ben Roethlisberger have missteps off the field of play, taint their brands. I had NBA Commissioner David Stern on with me last week, and I asked him this very question. Do missteps like these make a company like Coca-Cola think twice about aligning its brand with an athlete or celebrity, or do you include any language in your contract that says, look, if this person steps out of line, we can immediately void our contract with that person? Well, this is what I'll say. You know, anytime you're dealing with any type of relationship where people are involved, people are human beings, and human beings right. make mistakes, whether they're intentional or unintentional. And um, so there's always risk. And so what we try to do is make sure we've done our homework. We do the standard background checks. And then we also meet people that we're going to be working with and having business partnerships with. And as you get to know them and meet them, you then make the decision to either take the risk or not. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so being, you know, a corporation the size of ours, of course we have to have the right protection. So in every single endorsement deal we do, and I really prefer to call them partnership deals, we have a morals clause. And so we always, you know, always have that as the protection just in case. But I'll tell you, my experiences have been that nine times out of ten, you're, you're not going to have a major issue. It's usually the exception. And when that exception takes place, as long as you're talking and communicating with that partner, then you find joint solutions and, and you work things out in those ways. And I have also found that, you know, fans and consumers can be forgiving. So, you know, as long as you have the right type of communication and you handle it appropriately. No, I agree with you. And I think it's a good way to look at it the way that you just described. And you know, I would imagine it's hard. You build up a relationship with an athlete or, or a celebrity, and they kind of become synonymous with your brand. So it's probably not in your best interest or theirs, obviously, to, uh, I guess, hit the eject button and, and end that relationship with that very, very careful consideration. That's exactly right. And you know what? We're, we are very lucky to live in the United States of America because it is innocent until proven guilty. And so we always give our partners the benefit of the doubt. We keep a tight relationship where we communicate, we joint problem solve, and we have found that to be a good approach for us and typically a good approach for our partners. I've got a few stats before I let you go via your website, and they're just really mind-boggling. 92,800 employees of Coca-Cola worldwide. 48 consecutive years with increased dividends, which is really amazing. I'd love to hear from you in a moment if there's any other company that has a, a track record like that. 3,300 beverages, 200 countries where your beverages are sold, and then 124 years in business. When you're talking about the Mount Rushmore of iconic companies, I think Coca-Cola is prominent on that mountain. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit just about the growth of Coca-Cola. I know, obviously, you haven't been with them over the last 124 years, 
But, uh, you know, really as a company, the thing that impresses me the most is they seem to be a progressive company that changes with the times as need be and is really uh, on top of things. You know, I, I'm lucky. I, I would love to take all the credit for the growth, right? But I can. So, you know, what I would say about Coca-Cola, it's it's the brand and it's the people there who make the brand. And at Coca-Cola, you always feel like you're on a team with a common goal and you're on a winning team. So it's not unlike sports where we know everyone has their role. So in soccer, you need a goalie, you need a captain, you need a, a right wing, a left wing. And so we all are, are on the same team and we all play a specific role to drive that growth and to win in the marketplace. And for us, it truly is about, you know, serving the communities, you know, that we work with on a very local level, bringing value back to our retail partners and driving their businesses, giving back to the communities, you know, providing scholarships for students. We also have a lot of programs like the Boys and Girls Clubs or, you know, active living type programs where we, we sponsor, you know, things like Rails for Trails where anywhere there was a railroad trail that's no longer functional, we go out there and we create a running trail or a walking trail. And so that, I believe, is one of the secret successes and, and the secret formula, um, no pun intended, of yeah. Coca-Cola. Where, That's a know, story for another day, I'm sure. That is, that is. But it's a, it's a combination. So we all talk about if you went online, you'd see that you know the secret formula is made up of something called 7X, seven secret ingredients that – you know, we don't share publicly because that's our trade secret. Well, I believe that 7X at Coca-Cola is about, you know, the people. It's about our partners. It's about the planet we serve. It's about the products. It's about, um, you know, how we think about productivity in terms of adding value, not just eliminating waste. And it, it really is those things, that combination of what I call those P's, you know, that truly have made this a winning company. And the growth is driven by the people who are there who have the ideas to bring the brands to life and to work with the partners who allow us to sell our products in their stores. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio this week. Congratulations again on winning the Warsaw Center's Woman of the Year Award. Well-deserved. And I hope we can stay in touch and have you on again. Thank you. I look forward to it. I really appreciate your time, Brian. Thanks again. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, Tim Tebow of the Denver Broncos has yet to take a snap under center and play a single NFL game. But guess what? He has the number one selling jersey in all of the NFL, not just for rookies, 
But for anyone, his Denver Broncos number 15 jersey was by far the most popular jersey sold during the month of April. Number two on the list, Donovan McNabb, who has been traded from Philadelphia to Washington. We see when big players switch teams, their jersey is usually uh, a high seller. Ladanian Tomlinson is also in the top 10. And then you have your regular suspects, the Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Tony Romo, and Troy Palomalu, Bobby. Um, are you surprised that uh, our good friend Tim Tebow is leading the league in jersey sales? You know, I'm, I'm surprised that he's behind McNabb. I thought he'd be in the top five for sure. But, you know, listen, Tim is a very popular guy. Agree or disagree with, you know, what he says on or off the field. But, hey, listen, the guy's got a lot of hype coming in, and you got a lot of fans in Denver that are kind of, you know, hopping on the Tim Tebow bandwagon, and they really think he's going to do something special. So, hey, props to him. I might have to actually get a Tim Tebow jersey. Number 15. All right, I want to remind our audience that on May 26th, Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-10, is going to be in Portland for our Sports Executive Speaker Series event with the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. It's going to take place at the Multnomah Athletic Club from 1130 to 1. If you want a ticket to come see Larry Scott, you can ask him questions. It's basically like looking in on a live edition of Sports Business Radio. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com or go to warsawcenter.com. You can register and purchase your ticket to the event. It'd be great to see you there. And uh, Larry Scott's an interesting guy. I think you'd get a lot out of our conversation with him. Lots of thank yous on the show. B. Perez from Coca-Cola. Great to have her on. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Brian Griggs. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can find us on iTunes. Go to the podcast section and type in Sports Business Radio. Follow me on Twitter, at SB Radio. I'm Brian Berger. Have a fantastic week, and we'll talk to you next weekend on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to pumpkinridge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links.